You are listening to Agent Court Church's audio podcast. For more information on Agent Court Church, including service times, how to connect, and campus locations, please visit our website at onechurch.to. Good morning, Moses! Woo! Good to see you, Moses. We flew Moses in for the series today. He's uh, 3,290 years old today. Happy birthday, right? Happy birthday. He's looking great for 3,290 years old. And he's, he's going to be available in our lobbies after our gathering. Would you, like, you came to church today. Get a selfie with Moses. Moses, before you go. Like, who gets that? Come on, we brought Moses. In. Moses, great to have you. Do you have anything to say to the group of people here online? Shalom. guess we flew him in for that. <laughs> Listen, he's the guy I want to talk about today. Coincidence that he's here? I think not. We're in the middle of a series, and we're starting, actually, we're not in the middle. We're at the beginning of a summer-long series called Comeback Stories, because this is going to relate to every single person in this room or online, because every one of you has experienced a setback. In fact, some of you are right now in the middle of a setback. This is applicable to all of us in this room. Here's what a comeback is. According to the dictionary, a comeback is a return that involves some type of improvement. So you were here, and you experienced a setback, and you've come back. It's not just back to that place. There's some type of improvement. So let's play a game, because I love comeback stories. I'm going to play a game. I'm going to give you a description, and you have to guess. First is going to be what company I'm talking about. In 1997, this company nearly declared bankruptcy. It followed 11 tumultuous years, 11 years of losing money, not good for a company. They had fired their founder. They were in a major setback and on the brink of no comeback. And everything began to turn around with some strategic decisions and moves. They hired their founder back. Some of you already know who this is. They hired their founder back. They restructured a whole bunch of things, and what bailed them out in the end was a strategic $150 million loan from a surprising source. What company am I talking about? Apple. Apple. Now, if they had not had a comeback, you would not have an iPad, an iPhone, an iMac, or an iPod. Do you remember what iPods were? Yeah. They've barely been around now, right? But that all came out of that comeback. Now, what was interesting, their founder, Steve Jobs, was hired back. Do you know who loaned them the $150 million to stay afloat? Microsoft did. Their competitor. In fact, they thought Apple was so low, and they wanted at least Apple use some of their software, so this was a good investment for them. They had no idea that Apple would sometime, at some point outpace them. Now, all the Microsoft people are a little... Myth, I just said that, but you know, I only tell the truth. So, yeah, Apple was a great comeback story. How about this comeback story? This is from the area of sports. A 43 year old man this year, after 11 years of not winning a tournament, 11 years drought, numerous back surgeries, knee surgeries, incredible uh, personal problems that he went through, but this year, comeback. Who am I talking about? Tiger Woods. You know, sometimes when you experience a setback in life, everybody jumps on you at that moment. And when you get your experience a comeback, well, watch this video. Can Tiger Woods compete with Justin Thomas' Jordan Speeds? 
Dr. Johnson. No, this is a short answer. Make sure you get the stuff in the line. You can go over here to the studio floor. No. Did you send a chance to make it talking with you on the No. No, no, no. Here's what's going to happen. He is not ever going to win another term. I don't think we'll have a state title for the Dark Souls again. He's showing up at these tournaments and pretty much knowing that he's, he's not going to be there. The short game is gone. His health is gone. The next press release Tiger Woods should release should be our retirement. I have considered him now for the last five, six years a former golfer. Your watch, give up all your head, retire with dignity. Tiger Woods, that we all knew, he will never ever be that guy again. <laughs> Don't you love that? Have you ever had someone say that? You're never coming back. Doesn't it feel good when you come back? You know, I love that story only because I love comeback stories. I don't really like golf. I can't tell you the last time I watched golf on TV because, you know, I'd find paint drying a little more entertaining. That's me. I know all the golfers here are a little, but, but that's me. But I love a comeback story. Even if I don't like golf, I love a comeback story. I love sporting comeback stories. I like when musical bands come back from the brink, business comeback stories, professional comeback stories. I love healthcare comeback stories. When someone looked like they were down and out and gone, and wow, they're back. I love those moments. I love relational comeback stories. I love, love spiritual comeback stories. I love comeback stories. Chances are you do too, because it's in your DNA. It's in your DNA. We serve a God who specializes in comebacks. So today, all summer long, we're going to be listening to comebacks. But, and, you know, these are going to serve two purposes for you throughout the summer. Comeback stories are both restorative. If you're in the middle of a setback, you're going to find some strategies to move forward to get to a comeback. But they're also preventative. Because at all the comeback stories we'll study this summer, they had a setback. See, that's the unfortunate thing about a comeback story, Right? You need to have had a setback in order to have a comeback, correct? You need to have had, and there's two types of setbacks that you and I experience in this life, and two types of setbacks that Moses, the original comeback king, the OG of the comeback, the original gangster of the comeback, he experienced. Here's the two types. One is an undeserved setback. Maybe you've experienced that in this life. Maybe you were born into circumstances and it made you disadvantaged over other people around you. You were born into maybe a family situation, a socioeconomic strata, into a, a, a societal area where maybe you had cards stacked against you while some of your peers seemed to have open doors before them. So maybe you experienced an undeserved uh, setback. Maybe it's, maybe it's not even so much what you're born into. It's something that happened to you. But here's the thing with an undeserved setback. You did nothing really to contribute to it. You, you, didn't, add, you didn't It was nothing you did that got you into that place. It happened. You were born into it, whatever that might look like. And we'll, we'll examine that in a moment. Or there's deserved setbacks. And we know those ones, right? We did something that contributed to the mess I'm in. I made a decision, I did, so, did something, I said something, and whatever it is, I find myself in a deep setback, and I kind of know, I might not have been all my fault, but I contributed. If I was going to take a poll, I think all of us have probably experienced some type of setback in this life. So how do you come back from a setback? 
How do you find yourself forward? So Moses, the first setback I want to talk about is an undeserved setback he experienced. See, Moses was born into a family, a socioeconomic strata. He was born into a situation in a time and an era that made him quite disadvantaged. He suffered an undeserved setback before he ever cried his first cry. He was born as a slave. Uh, The Hebrew people were enslaved by the Egyptian nation at that time, a great slave force. And he was born into it. And his story is recorded in the opening chapters of the book of Exodus. That's the second book in the Bible, if you go to the very beginning. And it chronicles his story. And you can be reading about what happened. These are the cards he was dealt in life. It wasn't his fault. He didn't ask to be born into that situation. He wasn't asked to be born into that family. He didn't ask to be born into that era. And to make matters worse, bad enough he's born as a slave into a slave culture. Bad, worse than that, he's born at the wrong time as a slave. You mean there's a good time as a slave? Well, there's a better time. Because at this time, the king of Egypt, his name was, they call him Pharaoh. Pharaoh at that time had decided that the Hebrew nation of slaves became too large, too powerful, and they threatened. What if they revolted? So he decreed a purge. He decided that we need to purge some of these Hebrew people, and he decided it would be baby boys. Girls got a pass. That's good girls, eh? Girls got the pass this time. The boys had to go. And so he's born into an era, not just into slavery, he's born into a dangerous time where his life is being threatened. And so what happens was his mother, his biological mother, he, she, she puts him in a basket and waterproofs it. And she lets it go down the Nile River. She releases her son down the Nile River. And this is the story of a comeback where Moses is moving from slavery to royalty. There we go. Slavery to royalty. He's moving from slavery to royalty. This is his great comeback. It's an incredible comeback, but here's how it happens. It just happened that Pharaoh's daughter was bathing in the Nile. No, no, no. no, It didn't just happen. As God would have it happen, Pharaoh's daughter, and that's important, Pharaoh's daughter is bathing in the Nile when this little basket goes down into the reeds and she sends her servants out to get this basket. She opens it up and she realizes it's a Hebrew baby. His name is Moses. She calls him Moses. And all of a sudden, she's adopted him. He has gone from pauper to prince. He has moved from slavery to royalty overnight. And he did nothing to deserve it. He didn't deserve the setback he experienced in life. And he certainly didn't deserve this comeback. Not at all. He did nothing to deserve it. In fact, I think if there was a theme song for what could have been playing when Moses was being carried up from the Nile River up into the palace at that time, I think the theme song would have been like this. You know the song? In the sky. You know what? I'm dating myself. That's an old sitcom, the Jeffersons, right? Moving up to a deluxe apartment in the sky. He's on the east side now. He is moving on up. He has arrived. Moses has now moved into a place of privilege, a place of power, and there is nothing he did to deserve it. This is what I call an unearned comeback. He didn't earn it. Here's the definition of an unearned comeback because it's important to know it does cost just didn't cost you. So a comeback that costs you nothing 
but cost someone else something. Who did Moses come back cost? His mother. I don't know what that would have felt like. You have your baby and all of those maternal instincts to hold on to that boy. But you know if you do, the end of an Egyptian sword was waiting for him. And so against all of those God-given instincts, you put this baby in a basket. You pray over this baby. And you let it go. What a terrible cost. What a heavy cost somebody paid so that Moses could live. So he could move from slavery to royalty. Have you experienced that unearned comeback, friends? Is there a grandparent or a parent or great-grandparent who sacrificed a lot so that you could have a better life, a better chance, a better education? Is there somebody who left the comfort of maybe a home that they had lived in in another nation or something, and they came here with you in mind? You in mind, they sacrificed that you might have an opportunity. Have you been living off their blessing, living off their dime, living off their sacrifice? Has somebody had to let you go so you could move on up? Has somebody worked really hard and sacrificed a lot so you could go places they could never go? Did somebody take the bus so you could take a jet? See, maybe it's possible that all of us are standing on the shoulders of those who've come before us. See, I think if you're watching online right now or you're in this gathering right now, man, that is proof and evidence There have been people before us who have led well. There have been people before us who gave well. There have been people before us who taught well, who shared well. And we experience comeback moments in these gatherings, in these experiences, because somebody else stood in the place and sacrificed long before we ever got here. You know what that tells me? There's two things. One is, man, you got to be constantly looking over your shoulder. When you arrive in a new place, just recognize you didn't get there alone. This narrative in the North American culture, you're a self-made man, self-made woman. Nothing could be further from the truth. Man, people have been contributing to our lives all the way along to see a comeback moment in our lives. And this also tells me I have the opportunity to do the same thing for people who come after me. So I better lead well. I better serve well. I better give. I better sacrifice Why? For somebody else's comeback story. For somebody else's moment. Here's the comeback truth that you need to grab hold of. No one gets to the palace by themselves. No one gets to the palace by themselves. We all need each other. So maybe it was a teacher. Maybe you didn't have the type of family you were born into that makes you feel like maybe you felt disadvantaged from the get-go. If you knew my dad, if you knew my mom, oh, you had a dad, good on you. I didn't have a dad. Maybe you were born into circumstances that you did feel like were disadvantaged. But maybe there was a teacher along the way that was kind. Maybe there's someone who saw a little spark in you. Maybe there's a coach that believed in you. Maybe there was a, a grandparent that filled the void and stepped in there. They all contributed to where we went, how we've, how we've lived. In a greater sense, friends, I wonder how many of us would have the opportunities we have in life had someone not advocated in the past for us. Had someone not stood against racist policies. Had someone not stood up and said, nope, to sexism or racism. Would, would we, somebody sacri- Look at your $10 bill. Somebody sacrificed 
so we could have some freedoms that we might enjoy right now. It's an unearned comeback. We've all experienced unearned comebacks, every single one of us. If you're a follower of Jesus, you know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? Because if you're a follower of Jesus, you have experienced an unearned comeback. One of the only ways you can follow Jesus is you have to acknowledge that at the starting point, you were in a pit. You were in a prison of your own making. That there were, you were hopelessly trapped. You were unable to be freed. You were in that place and nothing you could do could get yourself out of it. We couldn't set ourselves free. The, the hymns that I grew up singing as a young boy in a church, they spoke often of this. One of my favorite hymns starts out and it says this, And lo, in the pit where my sins dragged me down, I cried to the Lord from the deep miry clay, who tenderly brought me out to golden day. And this is what it says. It says, he brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rocks to, st to stay. He puts a song in my soul today. And it goes on to say, a song of praise, hallelujah. And hallelujah is the Hebrew word for praise the Lord. Uh, who did the heavy lifting? Well, see, I, I highlighted it for you. So, so you could get it. He, he did it. He, he did the heavy lifting. I acknowledge as a follower of Jesus, I was in a pit. Jesus jumped into the pit and lifted me up, and he stayed and took the penalty. He took it all. That's why, friends, just unfiltered Jonathan right now. Is there anything more disgusting than a self-righteous Christian? A smug, self-righteous Christian. Is there anything more disgusting than that? And I say that only because your righteousness couldn't cut it. My righteousness couldn't cut it. I had to borrow someone's righteousness. I needed Jesus' righteousness because as good as you might be, as moral as you might be, as clean living as you might be, you fall short. So how could a Christian be self-righteous? You know what a Christian should be? A Christian's response to unearned grace, unearned comeback, always should be gratitude. Christians shouldn't be self-righteous. They should be the most grateful people on the planet. Man, I am so grateful for the people that have contributed to my life that have helped me out of my setbacks. I am so thankful that they weren't there by happenstance. They weren't there just by happenstance in my life. That friend, that colleague, that teacher, that coach, that person in university who noticed you, who believed in you, that person who thought you had potential, that person that came alongside of you and said you were beautiful when everyone else said nothing, that person that said you have something, you can do something. That person wasn't there by accident. It was Pharaoh's daughter by the Nile River. God put them there. Why? Because God's interested in your comeback. God's for you, not against you. God is with you. Moses knows what it means to experience an unearned comeback, and it comes from an undeserved setback. Let's move on, because there's a second thing. The second story that we're going to look at with Moses, and this is the one that gets a little more tricky, is he experienced what I would call a deserved setback. He really did. When he was 40 years old, really young, really young, 40 years old, he is now in a position of power and privilege, and he's parading around Egypt, and he notices one of his Hebrew brothers, one of the people he shares DNA with, being beaten by a slave master. And in his anger, he kills the Egyptian. And they, he gets him on the ground, and he covers him with sand. 
Why? Because you want to hide anything you've done wrong, right? But there was closed circuit TV. He didn't know it at the time. Some people saw what happened. And it went to Pharaoh's ear that Moses, your daughters, and he fled for his life because it says that Pharaoh tried to kill him. And Moses went into a place of hiding. He went as far away as he could from the courts of Egypt. He went to the area of Midian, which is kind of more of a desert region to the south, uh, southeast side. It was far, it was like the backwoods. He's hiding. He's hiding. And friends, the Bible would say all of us have done this. Every one of us, any, every one of us has been in a state of a deserved setback. We've all sinned. And when we do, we hide. We hide. We go into places of exile and we begin hiding. Are you hiding right now? Did you, did you hang with the wrong crowd? The wrong person? Maybe someone even warned you. But your connection to them, it's damaged you. It's damaged your ability to even succeed. And, you know, if you're younger here, be careful who you hang with. Very cautious who you hang with. You think you're leading them, hmm, they're leading you. It's incredible how they contribute to your life. But maybe you've made that mistake. Maybe you made a decision in a moment of anger. Or you made a decision in a moment of passion, and you live with a lot of regret, even to this day. It might be years removed from it, but you live with it even to this day. Maybe you let something or someone go, and in hindsight, you know you shouldn't have. But there's nothing you can do about it now. As a result, this is what you feel like when you're in the middle of a deserved setback. You start to feel, you feel the consequences. You feel shame. You can feel pain. You can cause you to live a hidden life. And so consequently in life, you kind of stay in your lane. Keep your head down. You know, mind your own business because you feel marked and labeled. You feel disqualified even. That's why some people don't volunteer in church or volunteer. Who are they? Who am I to, to do something around here? That's why a lot of people don't share about Jesus with their friends and others because they feel like, oh, who am I to share? I know what I've done. And you're in this setback moment, and so you don't feel like you have any authority or any sort of voice to be able to share what God's done because you're in a setback moment. Some of us, uh, we find it hard to lead because we know who we are. You know, sometimes it looks like it's not so simple as something just you did. Sometimes it's something that happens to us as well as we've contributed to it. It's a little messier. You get fired from a job. You know you contribute a little bit, but you know work was a very toxic place. And you feel like a failure. And that kind of marks you. That kind of labels you. That kind of informs who you are. But this is what I, one of the things I just love about Jesus. Moses' first setback had nothing to do with him. His second setback had a lot to do with him. But either way, God wasn't going to let him live in a setback. God wanted him to have a comeback. And Moses' second comeback, it's what I call an unexpected comeback. It really is unexpected. Here's the definition. An unexpected comeback. A comeback that you didn't see coming, but God always saw coming. And the problem with a setback, in the middle of a setback, you think God's done with you. You think God left you. You couldn't be more wrong. Moses couldn't have been more wrong. God is always there in the good times and the bad times. It, do, do me a favor. Don't compare God to people 
Don't compare, make God in your own image. I, I love that story about Tiger Woods because Tiger made some really bad choices a few years back. You probably know some of them. It was very public. So he wasn't exactly a model for some ethical living and stuff outside of golfing and everything else. And you should have heard the media at the time. Oh, were they ever self-righteous? Oh, irreprehensible. I can't believe he would ever do this. Blah, 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 blah. And then he won the Masters. Whoa, I knew he would come back. Isn't it great he's back now? Do you have friends like that? Don't bank on them. Don't build a life on them. God's not anything like that. In the middle of the comeback moment, God's there. In the middle of the setback and the shame and the pain and everything that follows that, God's right there. You're his child. He doesn't abandon you because you've made some choices that aren't great. He doesn't leave you. His love doesn't lessen for you. You've got to understand, Jesus is always beckoning you, come back. He goes where you are to draw you back to himself. There's no leaving God. There's no deserting God. Here's how the comeback looked for for Moses in Exodus chapter 3. He moves from this a place of hiding to a place of leading. It's a significant change in his comeback story. In Exodus 3, it says it this way. Moses saw that through, though the bush was on fire. So he's in the desert. He's been there. Remember he was 40 years old when he killed that Egyptian slave master? Guess how old he is now? He's 80. He's 80 years old, and he's on the verge of a comeback. I don't know what that would look like in the world of athletics today, but uh, that would be a significant comeback moment. He's on the verge of a comeback at 80 years old. And for 40 years, he's been living in a setback mentality. He's been hiding. He's been minimizing himself. He's been keeping his head down. Don't get noticed. Don't get noticed. Don't, don't live large. And he's been living with his head down for 40 years. And he's out doing what he does every day. He's taking the sheep on a walk in the desert. And all of a sudden, see the bush over there. It's burning. Well, but it's not burning up. I'm going to go take a look-see. So he says this. It was on fire. It did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up? And as he gets closer, get this. It's not just a burning bush. It's a burning talking bush. Like, can you imagine? It's burning, and then it starts talking. Moses! Moses! Do not come any closer, says God. Take off your sandals. Boy, that's important. Part of the comeback story is taking off your agenda. It is not your way. That is not the way out of a setback. It's going to be God's way. So take off your sandals. For where you are standing is holy ground. I am the God of your father, of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob, Another translation would say, I am who I am, God says. And then listen to what Moses did. Moses hid his face. 40 years he's been in a setback. He's used to hiding. He's hiding stuff. He's hiding his face in the place of holiness. And you know what? I would too, and probably you would too. But friends, God's going to call him out from that into something quite different. Put yourself in Moses' sandal, because maybe you've been there. 
in a major setback where you've contributed to it, not only does your pride take a big hit, and that's a good thing, but your confidence begins to, and your value begins to, and all of a sudden, God comes to this place where he's hiding. No, correction. God was always in that place where he was hiding. Never a fair weather friend. God was always in that place where he's hiding. And God calls Moses from his setback into his comeback. Friends, here's the comeback truth number two. No one gets to the palace by themselves, but here's the second one. No one comes back to the palace by themselves. Why I want to give you both of these is I want you to understand, in order to come back from anything, you need humility. Pride will keep you from comebacks. You've got to understand that you didn't arrive in the good places you've been in life by yourself. People have contributed to that. God has had Pharaoh's daughter in your life for a reason. People have contributed to where you've been, the opportunities you have. You might feel like, I'm not living in the palace, but listen, if you're living further along than you were when you started out in this life, you know someone's contributed to it. But if you're going to come back from a deserved setback, you need to recognize, I can't do it with pride. I have to admit, I'm in a setback. I might need somebody's help. I might need God's help. Here's a hard one. I might need both. Both. I might need to go to counseling. I might need to humble myself and go to God if I'm going to move from here to there, from a setback to a comeback. And in this moment, Moses, 40 years old when he killed this Egyptian, 80 years old when he begins his comeback. And that begs the question in my mind, are you ever too old for a comeback? You ever too damaged? Too far gone for a comeback? I think the story of Moses and the stories that you'll hear over the course of summer would be a hard no. You are not too old. You are not too damaged. You are not too far gone. Don't limit God. Don't tell God that he can't bring you from a setback to a comeback. Don't put a lid on his ability to restore and redeem. You're not too far. The pattern in the story of Moses is the same pattern for us. The way back from a deserved setback is simply this. You'll experience something that's unexpected. He experiences this burning bush. It's, he doesn't expect it. He doesn't expect God to whisper him. He had kind of jettisoned that dream a long time ago. If you've grown up in the church, you've got to be careful, friends, when you've been around the things of God for a long time. You become kind of just, it normalizes in a way that you think God is somehow controllable. And it's unexpected things like Moses' burning bush that causes him, jars him, to think about the comfort of living in a setback, to say, what if there was more? What's it going to take? What's the jarring event that allow you to consider what your life is presently producing, the significance of your life, whether or not the things that you believe can stand up to the difficulties you will face in this life, you will face in this life? Do, do you have that type of thing? See, Moses needed a burning bush, an unexpected event that jarred him into a comeback. And so do you. What's your burning bush? 
For some people, it's kind of severe. Comes to a moment where maybe disease affects them, brokenness, someone dies that they love, someone leaves that they love, and all of a sudden, everything they were believing, everything they were protecting gets exposed. It's not enough to carry you. And it's a setback, and it's painful, but it causes you to consider that is there an alternative way forward? Is there a comeback here? Is there a God? It might be something like that. Sometimes it's a sermon. Sometimes it's a lecture. Sometimes it's a book. For me, here's my comeback story. I, was set, I grew up in the church, and this was an advantage and a great disadvantage because I've been around it. I, I kind of listened to my parents, but it wasn't mine. And I'm in the middle of some really bad decisions in my life. And I remember the moment. It was at 1461 Manawaganish Road in St. John, New Brunswick, in my bedroom at like 3 in the morning. And I had just got back from wherever. And I'm sitting there, and I realized how empty my life was. It was, I had no music playing. It was quiet, and it was that type of disturbing quietness. And it was my burning bush moment. I knew that where I was headed was not where I wanted to be. I had this moment of clarity. And I remember that was my burning bush. And I stepped into it. I didn't expect it that night. I didn't go home that night expecting to feel that. But it was a burning bush moment of conviction that led to something incredible, a comeback in my life. I can't take credit for it. God manufactured that moment. So it's an unexpected moment. Uh, it's, this pattern, it's not just unexpected, it's also in the middle of it, you'll hear God calling. When you experience a jarring moment, you'll hear the voice of God calling. It looks and sounds different to everyone. For Moses, he comes next to this burning bush. I would love to have seen this. You know, wouldn't you have loved to have just like a Nest camera right there that you could have just seen what happened when he encountered the burning bush? If you see Moses after the service, ask him what he felt in that moment because, because I really would love to have known. So he sees this burning bush. He gets a little closer. It talks to him. And, and it says, I am who I am. And this is an incredible Hebrew statement. And God is clearly setting the stage for his comeback. And he's reminding him, listen, if you're going to come back, you need to realize something. You cannot control me. Religion will try to control me, but you cannot control me. I am a God that is not controllable. When you come to me and you're coming to me for a comeback, it means you surrender. You surrender. You orientate your life around me. You center your life around me. In other words, take off your sandals. Take off your agenda. Take off your ambitions. You come and you surrender to me. I raised uh, two boys in church. And you know, you'd think it'd be easy being a pastor's kid. It's, it's not a guarantee of anything. Uh, sometimes because they've been around church world and culture so long, it, it's, it can be difficult to find a faith that's their own. My kids are not Christians because they went to church. Can't do it. Can't do it. Not enough. My kids are not Christians because they make good decisions or bad decisions or anything else in life. That's not what makes them a Christian. They have to come the same way I did and you do. You come to a place where you realize that God is the most important thing in your life. 
and you're willing to abandon, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow him. More than your work, more than your work. More, more than your health, more than your health. More than anything, more than anything. More than your fa- God first. He becomes the most important thing in your life. And when he is, everything else orientates itself around that primary value. Nothing more important than God. So what does that mean? That depends how I work then. That informs how I work. That informs how I use my money. That informs how I treat people. That informs how I play. That informs everything. I don't fit God in my agenda. I fit my agenda around God. It's an incredibly big ask. That's why Jesus said, count the cost if you're going to follow me. Because I'm not inviting you into something easy. I'm inviting you something hard and wonderfully liberating. And it's filled with abundant life. But it's hard. It's, an, it's a full surrender. It's not coming to a God you can control. You know, <clears throat> some people do a lot of good things in this world. And that's great. But then they feel like God owes them. God, I pray. I give. I volunteer. So I'm in a setback right now. Where are you? <laughs> Where are you? Come on, God. Like, you know, I've done my part. You do your part. You can't control him. Some people try to avoid God through bad behavior. You can't behave bad enough that God can't find you. And when he finds you, it's not so he's pointing a finger at you. It's because he loves you. He loves you. He goes looking for you when you wander. We are prone to wander, and God is every time coming out looking for you. And he's calling you back. Come back. Come back. Because in me, you find the way forward. So, the, the bush is talking to Moses. Remember we're there? Moses, Moses, take off your sandals. Look what, look what he says to him in chapter 4. The, the bush is still talking. The bush is still talking to Moses. And Moses is still listening. In verse 4, it says this in verse 12. Now go. Now go. Now go. In other words, get out of your setback. Get a new mission. Have a comeback. Don't stay where you are. Now Go. Friends, he calls him into something bigger than his setback, something bigger than himself. If you're living a life to just find significance for yourself, if you're more concerned about your own comfort and safety or your own pleasure, your own party, whatever it is, you're living a small life. You're living in a setback. It might feel like a comeback, but it's actually a setback because you can't make an impact you can't make an impact without sacrifice. And God says this, I want you to live for my Christian brothers and sisters. That's why I place you in community, because you need people. Yeah, but people are tough on me. Yeah, I know. And you know, if you're, if you're new and you're just visiting this week and you're thinking like, this seems like a really nice church. Yeah, I love this church. But you got to understand, every one of us are imperfect here. So if you're perfect, don't ruin it. Because we're imperfect people here, and community's always a little messy. Sometimes people step on your toes along the way. Sometimes people say things, and you get all offended, or whatever else it is. And you can choose your response to anything someone else does. But listen, I would tell you this. I don't know a better community to find yourself in. As human as we are and imperfect as we are, I believe this is a loving community of people. And the way you experience that best is in a community group, where you begin to connect with people that people that can sharpen you, people that know when you're missing because you're not just part of a bigger crowd, 
people that are attentive to how you're doing in this life. So God says this. Jesus says it. I love the way Jesus says this because it's not just for your brothers and sisters. He says, I want you to live for those who don't know me. I want you to sacrifice so the city can have, be impacted by my love. I want you to live. Jesus says this. I want you to live for my glory, not your glory. He would say this. You've got to lose yourself in me. It'll be such a relief to you to not have to think about yourself all the time. You need to lose yourself in me and you'll find myself and you'll find yourself. In other words, pick up your cross, deny yourself and follow me. You know, how do you respond to an unexpected comeback? Remember, an unearned comeback, we respond with gratitude. An unexpected comeback, we respond with obedience. This is where we get real, because that word is something I don't like and you don't like. Let's be honest here. How many love to obey their parents? How many love to obey your boss? How many love to obey your spouse? Shelly will sometimes tell me what to do at home, and there's still that rebellious little thing in me that says, exactly, exactly. That's exactly how I feel in that moment. It's like, I will do it when I want to. You had those moments. I'm going to tell you something I know about everyone in this room. There's a little rebellious piece in you. You don't want to be told what to do. I mean, if someone graciously asks you, Jonathan, my husband, could you please... Please empty the dishwasher. Could, could, you, could you do that gracious act for me? I mean, that's what I would prefer. As opposed to a list that says, take out the garbage, empty the dishwasher. I'll do it when I, when I, when I want to, right? See, you don't come to God that way, though. How do you get out of the setback? I don't care how bad your setback is right now. You might have relationships that seem out of, out of uh, unrepairable. You might be in a financial setback. You might be in a career setback right now. You might be in a spiritual setback where you, you used to believe, you've fallen back, whatever it might be. You might be in some sort of setback uh, physically right now, and you wonder, how do I get out of this setback? I can tell you where it all starts, right here. When you're in the middle of a setback, you obey what you do know. See, when Moses, when God says to Moses, I want you to go back to Egypt. No, 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 no. You can see it. Read it in Exodus chapter 4. He begins all of his excuses why he doesn't have to obey him. I'm not talented enough. I can't public speak. I need somebody else to do it for me. And he says, well, I'll, I'll send Aaron with you. Yeah, but, and then it's interesting. Even as he gives that suggestion, Moses comes up with another thing. He said, Can, can't you find someone else? I mean, uncomfortable in the setback, uncomfortable living at a lower level, uncomfortable and living a small life. It may not be the greatest life, but it's my life. And God's saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. I gave you life. I tell you what life to live. And he says, I want you to go. In that moment of obedience, Moses had no idea. How is he going to get all these hundreds of thousands of people to the promised land? God didn't tell him that right then. God says, I told you to go back to Egypt. So Moses grabs his staff and he begins to go back to Egypt. And he walks into the court of Pharaoh where he had been 40 years previous. But he's a different man now 
because he's been beaten up by life, friends. There's been a lot of hardship, a lot of difficulty in the backside of the desert. He knows he doesn't think much of himself anymore. He's a perfect candidate to be used by God because he's not so filled with pride. He needs God to show up. And he walks into the court of Pharaoh and he has the staff and he doesn't walk in there shrinking back, living in his setback mentality. He has a different mentality now. He has a comeback mentality. And he walks up to Pharaoh and he says, let my people go. He doesn't ask him. He commands him. I think if there was a soundtrack, a song that might have been playing when Moses was walking in to confront Pharaoh, might have sounded a little bit like this. I can't, I can't see it now. He's got the staff in his hand. I start from the bottom. Now I'm here. See, I don't know what that comeback felt like in that moment, but I know it took obedience every step of the way to find his way out of the setback. So friends, here's this. If you have ever received any type of comeback in life, an unearned one, an unearned comeback or an unexpected comeback, if you've experienced a comeback, your response should be gratitude. We should be the most grateful people on the planet. God, you don't owe me anything. You brought me out of the pit. You have restored me back in a relationship with God. I am a forgiven person. I don't have a record of wrongs anymore. I'm clothed in Jesus' righteousness. Man, if you do nothing else, I am grateful for what you have done for me. I will be a grateful person in this life. Even when it looks like I don't have much to be grateful for, I remember my unearned comebacks. I remember the unexpected comebacks. I, I will be grateful and you make that decision. And friends, if you're in the middle of a setback, and it's hard. You know, our speaker last week, Anthony McLean, it was, it was, Anthony was awesome. I don't know if you were here, but if you weren't, check it out online. He's, he talked about a pastor who said you can worship your way through, through anything, right? And there's truth in that. You find your moments in moments of darkness. You're a follower of Jesus. And you just worship your way. You keep looking on Jesus in the middle of it. Keep your eyes fixed on the author and finisher of your faith. But I'll tell you this. You can obey your way out of any mess you've made. If you made a mess of things in your life, you just begin to obey what you know. And it feels like a little baby step at a time. But obedience makes you healthy. And healthy things grow. And that type of health leads you to your comeback. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what Jesus has done, not just for us in this room, but for every human being on the planet. We are so thankful that your love wasn't so microscopic that it wasn't large enough to encompass all of human history. But God, we love that your love is so focused that you can focus on the individual and the crowd all at the same time. So in this moment, and friends, this is a great moment for you to respond, even as I pray. For all of us in this room and online who've experienced an unearned comeback, we say, thank you. Thank you, God, for rescuing us. 
Thank you, God, for putting people in our life like you put Pharaoh's daughter at the edge of the Nile River for Moses so he can move from being a slave to a royal, a pauper to a prince. You have put people in our lives. We would not be where we are had there not been people along the way that have contributed. So we pause to say thank you to parents and grandparents and older brothers and sisters and coaches and teachers and Sunday school teachers and, and pastors and leaders that have contributed to us, God. They weren't there by happenstance. You had them there. And God, there might be some here that feel like they have a deficit of that. They don't, they don't feel like they had that many people in their corner. I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd open their eyes to see the people that maybe never even touched their lives individually, but that have contributed to the freedoms and liberties and the, and the things that they enjoy in this world right now that they didn't earn, but it was given. It was given to them, God. God, for those of us who feel entitled, for those of us who are better at keeping a record of wrongs than of rights, God, we pray, I pray by your Spirit you'd help us to nurture grateful hearts. So friends, this would be a great point if you're in this room, and especially if you're a follower of Jesus, you just have so much to be thankful for. You might want to begin to just give gratitude to God. You might want to begin to just speak out and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you for that grandfather that sacrificed so much so my mom and dad could be set up and that I get to enjoy the riches of their sacrifice. Just begin to thank God for people in your life and situations. Thank God for that, that boss that did notice you. Thank God for that person who, who gave to you and, and there was nothing in it for them, God. And then God, we pray for those right now in this room that maybe they know and they're willing with humility to acknowledge that they're in a setback. Would you give them courage to obey you? God, it's, uh, it takes humility and courage to walk in obedience from a setback to a, cur to, to a comeback. And God, I pray, Lord, the type of humility that maybe as we went through the emotion series, they knew you were speaking to them. They knew they, they needed counseling, and, but it took too much courage to take that next step. I pray, God, they'd walk in obedience. For some of them that we've made decisions along the way. We said, well, I'll never do this or I will do this or I am going to ask this person to forgive me. I pray they would have the courage to do this so they can get out of their setback and have a comeback. God, I'm so thankful you don't leave us where we are. Everything you touch, God, changes. And God, we are prime candidates for change in this room today. Change us from the inside out. In the name of Jesus, amen. Make sure you don't miss a message by subscribing to this podcast. All creative content and production for this podcast is provided by the One Church Creative Team.